the definition of empowerment is to be given power. Right. And we women do not need to be given power. We need to use the power we've got. Um, I think it's in, infantilizing in a way. We don't mean for it to be. Right. We Most of us don't use it that way, but really underlying it is the, the guys have to give us power. And if we wait for the guys to give us power, we're going to be dead. That was Sally Krawcheck, and you're listening to USA TBD, a podcast exploring critical issues facing America today, of which there are many. Social justice causes, systemic racial oppression chief among them, an outdated, visionless, and unsustainable foreign policy, a broken food system in which we are literally eating ourselves to death, and a political system so dysfunctional it feels almost beyond reform. All of this unfolding within a world of accelerating exponential technological change and in a country that doesn't really know itself, where myths and half-truths still define the narratives we believe in and live by. So who are we really, deep down? And how do we get here? What's actually happening today, right now? And where do we go from here, together, as a nation and a people, in a future that is very much to be determined? I'm your host, Dave Bernath. My guest today is Sally Krawcheck, Wall Street veteran turned entrepreneur, the CEO and co-founder of Elevest, a digital investing platform for women. Sally cut her teeth as one of the most senior women on Wall Street at places like Smith Barney, Merrill Lynch, and Citibank, before pivoting to a fintech startup, part of a clearly stated life's mission to help women reach their financial and professional goals. She joined me in the studio here in New York. Sally, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, so, um, yeah, let's just dive right into it. In this moment of Me Too uh, in the last you know, year or so, and obviously from Elevest and all of the mm-hmm. stuff that you're doing in, in the financial space that we'll get into, mm-hmm. it's, that's you know, one piece of it. Mm-hmm. But how are you feeling um, you know, generally about uh, the sort of the gender issue you know, and specifically as it relates to um, – you know, the financial space and what yeah. you're trying to do and kind of your sense of what the future is, is wh- where, where are we right oh now? Oh my gosh, that was the biggest question yeah. ever. I, I, we Let's just start at the top of the funnel. For hours, yeah. I feel so great and so terrible and so frustrated and so hopeful um, and so conflicted, as you can tell. Um, you know, I've been becoming aware of these gender issues for probably, you know, I've always been a feminist, of course. But really focused in on these gender issues post the financial crisis, right. when um, having had a seat at the table, running Merrill, you know, running Smith Barney um, after the crisis, running Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, you know, it's clear to me that a a under an underappreciated cause of the financial crisis was groupthink, right? Um, and groupthink is driven by lack of diversity. So I became very interested in diversity of all kinds in business as a result of that. And I'll tell you, for the past then five years or so, it just felt like, boy, we are we are cooking with gas. We're making progress. We're we women are taking our seat at the table, and we're leaning in, and right. we're just everything's moving forward. And we're gonna have a female president, and this is just awesome, right? Because our consciousness has been raised. And then it became clear at about the time of the election 
that we were wrong, mm -hmm. that there was a ton of talk and there was really no progress and that the progress on the gender pay gap had stalled on the um, gender CEO gap, on the gender board gap, um, and that it is not just, oh, you know, it's going to be five years until women make the same as men do. I mean, if you are a woman of color, it's more than 100 years. For some women, Latino women, it's more than 200 years before gender pay parity. Wow. We had stalled out. The um, election was a big awakening. And now I think we're starting to make some real progress, you know, sort of lancing the boil with Me Too. Right. Right. Wow. Well put. I couldn't help but think about the parallels on the racial front. Even some oh. of the some of the some of the phrasing that you said about, you know, the sort of and then the president thing. That was the Obama thing, right? Then right. and then all of a sudden this this realization during the end of his term, heading to the election, like, oh no, America, we still have a, a oh my gosh. so far to go. But well, uh, and and maybe the you know the blessing in disguise, and I mean it's a very good disguise, but right. the blessing in disguise is that were Hillary Clinton elected as president, then I'm not sure we'd be allowed to have this conversation around gender, which is, of course, an, you know, needs to be an intersectional conversation. Right. We would, you know, we, they'd probably be attacking her and trying to put her in jail and nasty, and it would have been just hush up um, because you've got your female president. And right. it is only through this anger that has come up, through the marching through the Me Too movement, through taking down Harvey Weinstein, I could go on and on, right. where women have recognized, you know, by coming together, we can actually affect change that we couldn't do individually. Right. Now, uh, I want to hear a little bit more about, about Elevest and all you're doing with the Elevate Network and that, what you're doing mm -hmm. there. I mean, why don't we start there? Because I think the question becomes, you know, with these, what can feel like these intractable issues that are so deeply rooted in our culture and go back yep. literally thousands of years how to move the needle, right. even in one's lifetime. Right. So talk a little bit about what you're doing personally, um, but if you can, kind of connect it to the way you see the challenge, really, because it is a hell of a challenge. Well, so Elevest is an investing platform for women. And I founded it uh, because I had a sort of, you know, lightning bolt recognition that, hold on a minute, we talk about the gender pay gap and we need to take care of that. There's also a gender investing gap. Women do not invest as much as men do. It costs women who are making, let's call it $85,000 a year, hundreds of thousands, for some women, millions of dollars over the course of their lives. For some women, it's a bigger deal than the gender pay gap. And a couple years ago, a few years ago, nobody was even talking about it. Um, everybody sort of assumed that, oh, those women don't invest as much. They're so risk averse. You know, they're really just not that good at math. They're not good investors. They were a whole, you know, they just need more financial education. Right. All those things I said are not true, except for everybody needs financial education, men too. And so there really was my old industry, the investing industry in Wall Street, was blaming women for the fact they didn't invest rather than saying, huh, huh, well, you know, wait a second. In an industry where traders are 90% men, mutual fund managers are 90% men, hedge fund managers are 95% men, financial advisors are 86% men, maybe we do a better job for men than for women. Maybe um, we could change the underlying product to um, you know, more closely match what women are looking for. Step back. Why is this important? This is important, and I'm going to be crass now. Both you and I have Southern roots, so right. you know my mother is now sort of clutching her pearls and fanning herself. <laughs> uh, but money's power, yeah. And in a capitalist society, you know that is always going to be the case. And men have more money than women do by a lot. Um, therefore, men have more power than women do by a lot. 
And I would put forth that we women will not be fully equal with men until we are financially equal with men. Yep. And so the reason I founded Elevest was that if we can get that additional money in the pockets of women, we start to close that gap towards equality. Right. And I think you also talked about sort of the um, the, the the market power that's right there. You know, oh. you know the, 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 the actual the, – the missed opportunity to date in terms of the spending you oh know, decisions gosh. and uh, – well, somehow so, – so back up. The numbers are just astonishing, right? Women control $5 trillion of investable assets. With our spouses, we control another six. Um, we direct – we can debate it. Is it 80 percent of consumer spending, 75 percent of consumer spending? It's the significant majority of consumer spending right. and we are more than half the workforce. Yet somehow we've bought into the notion that we need to be empowered. You know, all the uh, – we're going to empower women. What do you mean friggin' empower women? We have power. The challenge has been that I'll go back to is somehow we became convinced we didn't, right? Somehow in this, um, you know, this pop culture, you go girl, you can get ahead by yourself, ask for the raise this way. Somehow we were convinced that we could become successful on our own. Right. And we, we haven't. And it's only by recognizing the power we have in coming together. How does this work? Well, think about it. If we're more than half the workforce, it's the women of the New York Times coming together and going to their senior um, management and saying, look, this parental leave just doesn't work. Right. We want more parental leave. One woman or man tries to do that. It doesn't work. Right. The group comes together. It does. It's Nike, right, where there's a toxic culture, which is not recognized at the top of the company, and the women come together, you know, field a survey amongst themselves get that data, go to the leadership team and say, this isn't working. It's the actresses coming together against Harvey Weinstein. Right. I could go on and on, right. but we've got power. It's simply that we have been convinced that we should be doing this on our own or we can do this on our own. It's really only by coming together this works. Right. Wow, that's that's fascinating. That makes total sense. Uh, but but sometimes easier said than done. Oh, sure. It takes because crises sometimes to get that happening. Well, exactly right, which is – I actually, I published a post. You and I were, you were talking earlier about how I published on LinkedIn. Um, I published a post right after the election that I initially titled, Why the Election of Trump May Be the Best Thing That's Happened to Feminist. Um, I got so shellacked yeah. for that headline by both sides. And right. I think I've changed it. I, I changed it to something like what right. the election of Trump means or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Softened it. But it was a catalyst of an oh moment right. of what we're doing didn't work. We have to do something else. But you know, the truth is we're busy. My gosh, we've got two kids and we got the carpool, totally. we've got the job. And you know, I always say, um, you know, you go into so you know, women are the one group, Gloria Steinemus says that becomes more radical as they age. In your 20s, you go to work and you say, what, this feminist thing, it's over, look at all us women, and everybody loves having us around. 30s, you go into a fugue state. The baby, the second baby, the cat, the job, the promotion, the promotion you didn't get, the issues with the husband, right. the toddler's got speech therapy issue. I mean, on and on and on. Right. And it's only at your mid-40s you come out of the fugue state when the kids go away to college or in high school and are sort of you know, on their own se semi-launched. Yeah. And you look around and you say, where are the F for all the women? Right. Oh, my gosh. I'm the one who's left. Me and Susie, we're the two who are left. And then you become a feminist. Right. Um, and this cycle has repeated itself. What's really interesting now is the women in their 20s 
are, are for the first time looking around and saying feminism, you know, the work of feminism isn't over. And so I think we've got a real chance now. Right. That's, that's, uh, that's inspiring. Talk about why you don't like the word empowerment. Well, because we, you know, it's, it's the definition of empowerment is to be given power. Right. And we women do not need to be given power. We need to use the power we've got. Um, I think it's in, infantilizing in a way. We don't mean for it to be. Right. We Most of us don't use it that way, but really underlying it is the, the guys have to give us power. And if we wait for the guys to give us power, we're going to be dead. <laughs> Not that guys aren't well-meaning. Yeah, yeah. But, you right. know, if you're in power. Yeah, it's the natural inertia of right, the system. Well, you know, I think, you know, Gloria Steinem said, you know, has any group ever given up power willingly? Right. Sure, we'll have room for, you know, the, the Tina Fey. Um, well, we have a woman comedy writer, right? right? right. A, we have a woman on the board. We've, we've got one of those. That's cool. Right, right. Um, as opposed to the 50% that it by all rights should be. Right. Um, I think it's interesting because, you know, obviously you come out of the financial business, you know, at a very high level for many years. And that industry in particular, obviously, when we think about 2008, you know, there's so many things I think, at least that I struggle with around the sort of the ethics and just the um, the cultural norms that have come up around finance and personal gain and wealth and the stock market, et cetera, in the United States. I mean, I grew up like you, Cronkite every night. At the very end, they threw up the stocks, which mm-hmm. I thought, why? You know, I guess once a day. Mm-hmm. Now it's now it's you know every hour, every minute. Um, even though you're supposed to buy and hold. So right. why would we actually follow the stock market right. any more than once a day at most? Mm-hmm. Yes, the world has sped up, true. But I'm just curious about, you know, because I see a lot of those um, cultural norms and, and ways of behaving. You talked about the 90% mm-hmm. of all these people that were men. I'm just curious how you see it even more broadly as it relates to our society and the sort of non-feminine angle in there with just the culture of money and wealth and capitalism as it has been, you know, recently in the United States. Well, look, my, my old industry is exclusionary. Right. Um, you know, you have to have $250,000 before you, you can become a client of XYZ. Well, well, who is that? That's white men who can right. become the clients, who can avail themselves of those services. Um, you know, it, it, you know, worse than that, as you've mentioned, it's become a culture of gambling. Right. And sort of a game that is played where it's a sport. You know, right. I typically don't watch the business TV channels, but you know, every once in a while you're homesick, you're flicking through, whatever. It's like the market's about to open yeah. tomorrow. What? Oh my gosh, the market's right. going to open. The fang that's, stocks. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and he's like, no, it opens up, you know, it opens every day. There's, there's further exclusion in that, um, in that a lot of folks don't f- have the time right. to follow it and do it. Um, and it doesn't appeal to a lot of folks. It doesn't appeal to women. We've discovered the whole concept of outperforming, picking the winners, alpha, you know, this this fund manager, et cetera. Women are like not interested. And so the industry has really been formed around almost a culture of sport, mm-hmm. which that's a, has that's attract, a great metaphor. Yeah. Which is, well, think about it. CNBC yeah. is really ESPN for stocks, and they they literally say it. If you talk right. to the senior leadership there, they right. literally talk about it's very the very smart shows. way to program the network. Well, that's right. And then it's sort of addictive, right? You've got the adrenaline rush of doing well now and losing money, but making it again. And the way w- women have been excluded is they've been like, I'm not interested in that. Right. You know, women tend to approach investing or get excited about investing when it's, 
oh, I can buy a house in five years if I invest, or I can start my business in six years, or I can have a kid, or I can retire well. But the industry has said, nope, you've got to do all this other stuff in between. You've got to buy, you've got to sell, you've got to add the fuck to this manager, that manager. And women have stayed away in droves. Right. Um, and if that's the case for women overall, for women of color, you know, that's even more the case. Right. Right. That it has felt, you know, how in the world do you find a way to invest when the, you're, you're facing a sea of white males, you know, and you need a certain level of assets in order to invest. Right. And that's why at Elevest, um, we have no minimum for investing. None. We wanted to make it as um, approachable as possible. Um, you don't have to really know that much about investing. What you have to do is tell us um, information about yourself. My name is Susie. I'm this year's old. I have this kind of education. I'm this this um, type of industry. Why do we ask for that information so we can forecast out how much we believe she will earn over her life? Right. Um, we we are the only ones that take. That's into gotten account. a lot more complicated now. Oh, sure, the way, of course the way it is. That, the way of that work has is. changed. Well, it certainly is, but you got to take a swipe yeah. at it, right? Yeah, and you got to. Sure. Keep updating the information, but we're the only ones that take into account that she lives longer than men do. Right. Oh, really important in planning for retirement. No one else does this. Yeah. That her salary peaks sooner than men's do. Ooh, really frustrating, but important. Right. And then she tells us what she wants to accomplish, buy that home, start that business, and we use a very powerful algorithm to calculate what she can afford, and then we put together a highly customized investment portfolio whose goal is to get her there. Right. Right? None of this euro outperforms the end. What do you need to do? That's our job. Right, right. Right? Her job is to give us the information, make the deposit she needs to, you know, and stay the course. Yep. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously getting Elevest off the ground, and this is, you know, in this new field of, uh, you know, tech-driven, like you said, everybody's busy. So some of these algorithms, things like Betterment and Mint, Mm -hmm. and you guys are sort of a female version of that. And in setting this business up in the last couple of years, you've moved from the historically white male empowered (laughs) Wall Street to the historically white male empowered Silicon Valley tech space. Talk a little bit about about that (laughs) perspective and also, you know, not just just, just going through that, but also what you've been able to glean or understand about the challenges women face in this new ecosystem that you're now a part of, because it's obviously a a big issue there as well. Well, Wasn't interesting. So let's take a step back for a second, right? These two businesses we've just talked about, Wall Street, where I used to work, venture capital, where, where I'm now engaged, these are the two money industries. Right. This is where trillions of dollars on Wall Street, billions of dollars in Silicon Valley, are being allocated, winners and losers are being chosen by the individuals within those industries. Right. Um, you and I, if I were to say, Dave, you know, describe these industries for me, you would say, well, Sally, they're meritocracies. The best and the brightest get to the top, and then they drive the capital to the best and the brightest, to the highest return opportunities. Okay, if it's just the case that you know, 90% of the best people for the trading floors are white men, you know, well, so be it, okay. And 90% of the best mutual fund managers just happen to be white men. Hey, that's just capitalism at work, except it's not, except it's not, right? Uh, Females have been shown to outperform males as mutual fund managers. And then in terms of those males on the trading floor, does anybody really think that the financial crisis would have been more severe if it were 50% women or 50% people of color, right? No. And no. in fact, 
I haven't gone back and done the research, but when's the last time Wall Street earned its cost of capital through a cycle for its shareholders? A long time ago. They earn plenty of money in up markets, and they lose all of it and much more. In down markets, let's go to Silicon Valley. Again, you know, 95% of partners in venture capital firms are men. Um, it is probably not a coincidence that women, all women team, get something like 2% of venture capital dollars. Women of color rounds to 0%. Right. Hey, but, you know, if that's just the case where men are just better at starting businesses than women, right. so be it capitalism at work, right. except that's not true either. Um, yes, men are more likely to found a Facebook or an Airbnb, but they're also more likely to go bankrupt. Right. And as a result of it, companies run by women, according to First Round Capital, have 63% better returns than those run by men. I said 63%. That's that was big. not – I don't know what, what the word is for a typo out of your mouth. It was yeah, not yeah, a yeah. wordo. Right. That is huge. That is huge. P.S., venture capital overall, it's not like the returns have been so amazing. In fact, venture capital for the past 5, 10, 15 years have returned for its investors – about the same as if that money had been invested in the public markets. Really? Huh, that might not be so bad. Yes, but for so much more risk. Venture capital is so much riskier. Right. And so here you have two businesses overwhelmingly populated by males. By the way, who I should say I love, been married. i married to a male. Right. Fantastic, right? Been married to a couple of males. <laughs> I was married to one before two. Males are great, but it's the homogeneity. Right. Woo. Yep. That word was very difficult. Yeah. You, thank you for helping, Dave. <laughs> um, which drives, drives subpar results in both businesses. Right, right. But you've, been, you've managed to make a go of it so far with, with LFS. Tell me a little bit about uh, you know, that experience, putting the team together, and, and, and kind of what you, you know, how you see this space, because yeah. you guys are pioneering a little bit, oh, how, yeah. how you see this space evolving. And also, I'm curious to get your sense of the role of technology, because I think when I look at some of these problems, and we talked about, I told you I was out in Silicon Valley a while back, it feels like at least on some level, because, you know, the, the issue is just moving the needle, you know, this incrementalism, right? And you, you just talked about the kind of like post-Hillary, oh, mm -hmm. there's like a shit ton of work still mm -hmm. to do, and the rate of change, the 100 years, 200 years on the pay gap for women of color, uh, so unless something really changes, and and the point about groups mm -hmm. of power not giving things up easily, maybe we can have a better year than last moving the needle, but how are we going to really move it? And it does feel like technology at least opens up some new ways to maybe do things faster and differently. Well, um, look, I'd say a couple things. On the, on the bright side, the cost of starting businesses is plummeting. Right. Um, and it's not just the cost of technology is coming down. The cost of real estate is coming down with a WeWork, right? You used to have to, oh, we got to sign a one-year lease. Now you get a room in a WeWork, away right. you go. Um, you had to hire full-time people where there's a, you know, vibrant community of freelancers, part-timers, et cetera, that one can hire. You had to have a whole HR department. Nope, you can outsource that too. Right. You had to, you know, get on a plane and go places. Nope, video conference. Yeah. I mean, so – in every way, oh, you know, you had to advertise. Well, now you go right. on Twitter, if right. Instagram, if you if you've got a good enough idea, you can get the idea out for free. It really is interesting how things have changed. And so, while women and people of color are not receiving the venture capital dollars um, to the extent that they should be, um, as the cost of starting businesses comes down and as crowdfunding becomes more of an alternative, right? Women are outperforming men on crowdfunding sites. 
Um, we believe it's because they're great storytellers. They're sort of buttoned down in what they're doing. They're a little more conservative in their forecast and because other women are supporting them on right. the crowdfunding sites. Right. And so, you know, I get optimistic when I think, you know, it's easier than ever to start businesses. Gosh, think about what we can do for the economy if the women who stayed at home or had to leave the workforce for some reason can come back in by starting their own businesses. Right. And if we can get other women to support them, this sort of ecosystem of us supporting each other, um, that can be pretty awesome. Now, occasionally you get sort of pushback for that. Ah, you know, supporting other women. I don't, I don't know about that. You know, we even talk at all of us about gender lens investing, investing in other women. I don't know. That's a little weird, maybe investing in other women. Well, actually, we're all gender lens investing today. We're just investing in men. Right. Right. Really we're just investing in men. Right. We don't call it that. Right. But that's what we're doing. You know, the companies we're investing in, the stocks we're investing in are typically run by men. So if we take some portion and direct it over to women who, by the way, as mentioned, tend to have better returns on their businesses, right. you know, we can really grow the economy in a way I don't think any of us are conceiving of right now. That's cool. Very exciting. That is exciting. Um, you, you know, having seen you speak a few times, you, you, you often, um, uh, you know, you're great with uh, bringing in research and, and, different, and, and different. I mean, <laughs> recovering that recovering research well, I mean, analyst. But, recovering uh, but, research analyst. <laughs> but you talked a little bit about because what you're just talking about there is sort of like tapping the power, the collective power, yeah. the untapped market potential, uh, women supporting women. Um, but but there's also cultural problems we saw in the election that can can lead women yeah. and men and women in particular not to support other women. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. what, you, what you've learned and what you know of that yeah. sort of question? Well, look, we all grew up in the same society. And so we all learned the same lessons and we all pick up um, or many of us pick up those same biases. Um, I think about it a lot when it comes to money, by the way. One of the reasons women have less money than men is because we're told as little girls that's an impolite thing to talk about when we – read women's magazines when we get older, they infantilize us when it comes to money, right? It's these sex positions and this way to have a smoky eye. And, you know, are you a carrier or Miranda when it comes to money as opposed to, <laughs> you know, diversified right. investment portfolio? Right. Um, and so we're part of this society too, and we receive these messages. We also receive messages around women. And I have caught myself on more than one occasion. I, I remember, this is years ago, being at a um, at a conference and watching a gentleman speak, and the gentleman had one of these hideous comb-overs, hideous <laughs> right. comb-over, just right. like, what, who do you think you're fooling? You are fooling nobody. That is the worst I've ever seen. Just give it up. But I noticed it, and then I could listen to him. Right. The woman who spoke after him was in a, a, cut, a top that was too low cut, and I noticed that too, but it kept distracting me. Right. Right? And so why was I able to... You held it against her somehow. Yeah. Somehow I just couldn't get past it. How was I able to look past his unfortunate clothing right. choice or right. choice, you know, yeah. grooming choice, but not hers? The research tells us, um, you know, a man loses his temper, we forget it pretty quickly. A woman loses her temper, we remember it for years. And the one that you and I were talking about earlier, the research that floored me, but is so, so hits the mark, is that when a man is seen to be looking for power or attention. We think, yep, guy, boys will be boys. Natural Men will order. be yep, 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 there they go, right? When a woman is seen to be looking for power and attention, the emotion it evokes in men and women is one of moral outrage and, and I 
take this word directly from the research discussed. Discussed. And I'll never forget to go very personal here. I will never forget one of my bosses who ended up firing me um, or reorging me um, after a glowing article had been written about the business I was running and my stewardship of it um, that I did not cooperate with. So it happened away from me, um, took me to dinner, and at dinner yelled at me yelled at me and told me I had to get my profile down. And I remember sitting there so humiliated, so deeply mm. humiliated and trying to say things like, but it's good for the big, you know, right. the morale of the organization You're only as is good, good as your people. Right. You know, the mor- people are super excited about this. The morale is good. They're sharing it. They're sharing with clients. You know, it's, and dude, it's like the one good business, yeah. the company yeah. you're running. So why wouldn't you want to be excited about it? But feeling this sense of shame that I had mm. done something wrong. Um, and he was, you know, just in line with the research of I must be looking for this attention, and I had stepped out of place. Oh, that's harsh. It was so harsh. <laughs> you know, it was even harsher. What was even harsher was when he sent the head of um, HR, head of um, human relations, to visit with me the next day to make sure I had gotten the message. I felt like I was in fucking wow. It was so. When you started that sentence, I thought you were going to say he sent the head of HR to make sure that, you know. He hadn't screwed up no. in the way he delivered the no. message. No. She came to yeah. make sure that you got the message. No. And, to, and asked me to repeat it. Tell her what I had heard the night before. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, I, what's the equivalent emasculating for females? Whatever. Yeah, Efemulating. That's, that's, yeah, right. Right? What Whatever it was. But yeah. it was just this deep you know, we don't sense. We don't have one that we use a lot because no, we, we don't know. have enough female power. <laughs> right? If that's we had more exactly. female power, we'd have a word. We have really hit on something here. Yeah, that gotta, is I gotta an important – think about that. There's a, there's a sniglet doesn't quite do the do it. Yeah. There's a word there that we need to have. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. But, you know, so what do we do? I mean, that's so frustrating. What we have to do is talk about this. Right. Right? You know, sunshine being the best disinfectant. Yeah. You know, recognizing that we've got these biases, you know, whether it's our fault, our paramount, whatever, they just are what they are. And right. having these discussions, you know, and when it's time to promote somebody, when someone, you know, this happened to me, the guy comes up for promotion and he's aggressive and ambitious, he gets promoted. The gal comes up for promotion, she's aggressive, ambitious, so therefore people don't like her that much. Yep. And we tried to give her an executive coach and then realized, holy camole, these are sen- essentially the same personality. One's wrapped in a male body, the other in a female right. body. We promoted both of them. Right. It must be fascinating for you to think back on your the first section of your career prior to leaving Merrill and kind of moving to this new direction because, you know, uh, it reminds me like, you know, Michelle Alexander wrote the new Jim Crow book mm-hmm. and talked about how as a professor in her 40s, I'm not sure how old she was when she started the book, didn't really see the mass incarceration system even though it was right in front of her nose, yeah. even as a woman of color, and had the same thought of like, well, they're criminals, aren't they? Whoever they are, the criminals. And here you were kicking ass in this male-dominated industry, you know, which is going to you know, make you feel chuffed up. And you're like, yes, like you said, we're leaning in. Things are happening. And then in a way, but right under your nose, you know, maybe in due, due to your own success, mm-hmm. you know, even though you had, you had some moments, uh, I'm sure you had male colleagues that got reorged out too, mm-hmm. you sort of step back and go, oh, you know, it's not, it's not what I thought it was. Right. On so many levels. And I didn't see it. On know? so many levels. On so many levels. I mean, I was, you know, I would post the same type of business results and be the same type of person. And one boss would, you go girl, you know, 
one who was more results oriented and then others were, you know, get yourself back in line. You're, you're standing out too much. Right. And you think, wait, I, I'm doing the same thing, but there's a vastly different reaction to this. And then, of course, um, not really recognizing until later in my career what a poor job the industry was doing for women. The fact that it was so male right. dominated and oriented that this industry that's a lifeblood of our economy is excluding vast swaths of the population. So we've got to stop calling it a meritocracy. We need to call it a mantocracy. Right. Right. And, you know, I'm not quite sure how to force diversity on it. Right. Um, you know, I've spoken to the regulators about it. I almost became a regulator. Right. Um, I'm hopeful that at some point the shareholders of the companies say, guys, you know, this research now is so far past, you know, a conclusion. I mean, it's so clear Right. That diversity leads to better results, um, that we finally have to do something. That isn't wait for the pipeline or put in place a diversity committee, but just – I tell you what we do. I, I do at Elevest, which is obviously much smaller. If, if our uh, numbers get out of whack and all of a sudden we've got too many of a certain kind of person, I just stop hiring. Yeah. They say we should stop. Well, but we can't find a person of color. Yeah. With it. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. It's yeah. going to take us a little longer, but I promise you, right? There, you know, there are folks out there. Yeah, you got to be intentional about it. When yeah. you know, my last job, we, we tried to move the needle, and we did a pretty good job in the last year I was there. But you know, it, it forces uncomfortable conversations on some level to sit here and say, "Oh no, we're going to hire a woman for right. this job or whatever." Well, that's not fair. But you know, or you know, can't you just try to find the best person? But invariably, nope. you know, if the deck is stacked and you have people that you've worked with before, and the profession is at ex- I mean, like, to your point. If you were at a, a bank today and you wanted to hire a, mm-hmm. an investment, uh, an experienced uh, hedge fund person mm-hmm. or mutual fund person, well, 80 to 90% of them are going to be men to begin with. Mm-hmm. So if you just go by the law of averages and give it the old college try, yeah. odds are you're not going oh. to wind up making that higher. No. And, and look, the other thing I would say is you know, middle management is where diversity goes to die. Yeah. And it's not that people don't get we want diversity, but if you're only hiring two or three people a year – then you don't have the personal insight and experience to recognize your own biases. And right. our own biases are typically we hire people like ourselves. Right. And so, you know, gosh, that person's so different from me. The research says that we will be more successful hiring that person. But right. every fiber of my being says hire the person just like me. And right. by the way, it's going to be a lot more comfortable to come to work if sure. I'm hanging out with someone who went to my right. alma mater because right. we get to talk about Or someone you work with on a basketball. prior team because the team <laughs> right. was more male right. before and right. you had that shorthand. That's right. Um, so we've got daughters between us. Yeah. Uh, and obviously aside from uh, the, the basic advice of invest and, and mm-hmm. think about your financial future, and by the way, open an account with Elevest, what what else do you think about in terms of uh, advice to young women? You know, like you said, women in their twenties may have a different point of view. Teenagers, yeah. girls coming up. Uh, yeah, um, negotiate from the first job. I mean, yeah, if you're going into McKinsey and it's a class of you know folks coming in, then you don't have much room for negotiating there. But any other job in your whole life, every management has kept some amount of money back mm-hmm. because they're expecting a negotiation. Right. And it isn't fair that we have to negotiate because men have been shown to be more likely to negotiate. But it just – you know, we can't change the world overnight and so right. negotiate for me, Trey's. The other thing I would say is that and, – and I'm still sort of playing with this idea. Um, but what we've learned in the Me Too mo- moment is that 
sexual harassment continues to exist. Um, expectations around gender norms continue to exist. Um, the playing field is not fair for people of difference from the majority. Right. And navigating that is going to take some time and some finesse. And so, you know, what I think about as I went through my career is there are times when you must speak up. Um, and there are also times when if you look for discrimination and an uneven playing field, you will find it everywhere you look. Right. If you, you can become hyper aware of it and it will drag you down. And so finding the right, um, you know, calibrating yourself correctly where let this go. You know, the 70-year-old guy who still works in the office and asked you to get a cup of coffee, you know, you can fume on that until the cows come home, but it will drag you down, right? Just, hey, Jebediah, get your own coffee, you know, dude, get your own coffee or, you know, I'll get yours this time, but you get mine next time or however, with a little sense of humor, you can deal with that. And then there's some that you just can't let go. And you need to find the difference between the two of them. Um, I found in my career that employing some humor to diffuse situations tended to be helpful. But finding that way to navigate it. um, And I hate it that we have to talk about this. But, you know, we've seen in this Me Too moment that it continues to exist. And I saw too many women over the course of my career who let them make it let let who got so angry they got dragged down by it. Right. Um, and by the way, don't forget that there is an option that many of us don't think of all the time, which is changing jobs. Right. right. <laughs> right. And so somehow I think, you know, because as women, we're all taught to get A's and I'm sure your daughter's got A's. My daughter, you know, get the A, get the A. Get, I can fix this. I can make this work. Right. There really is an option when things get tough and that's finding yourself another job. That's good. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up here, anything else just broadly you want to talk about that we haven't hit on yet? That uh, well, look, I just think we're. On your mind? I love that you're doing this, and I love you're talking about these important issues um, because I think, unlike any other time in my life, this is a time when each of us is having to be introspective about right. um, who we really are um, and what we really are willing to stand for. And for those of us who've been fortunate enough to have some success in our lives, how we're going to use the platforms we built for our, built ourselves in order to make change for others. And so for me, you know, when I came out of Merrill, did I want to go back to a big platform? Did I want to go back to a big job? And there, those are some really great things about big jobs, sure. like the warm chocolate chip cookies mm-hmm. at 3 p.m. every afternoon. I mean, right. that was amazing. However, Having had the career I had, which no other – I mean, I'd say no other woman, but no other person has really had the good fortune to run the businesses I've run and be in the rooms I've been in and learn what I've learned. And if I did not take that those skills and that experience and turn it around and try to make the world a better place for all women, then shame on me. Right. Right. Shame on me. I mean, this isn't a time when I could with good conscience walk away and say, that was a great career. I really enjoyed it. And so I think we all have to say now, what can I give back and how can I help change the world? And what am I willing to tolerate? Um, you know, I, I never marched before. Like I, I'm marching. Yeah. Right. I am, I am marching. I got, I have the 
cardboard and I got the pens and I am ready to go. Um, and I can't wait for the next election so that I can you know, make my vote count. Got it. Awesome. Thanks, Sally. Thanks for coming. Dave, thanks show. for having me. Appreciate okay. it. You got it. My thanks again to Sally Krawcheck. Thanks for listening to USA TBD. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show and help us spread the word to family, friends, and the multitudes on social media. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at USA TBD. Thanks to my editor and engineer, Alex Brazell. We'll see you next time.